Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Swim Bros Podcast, episode 10, double digits finally. Woo! I'm Grant House here with my swim bro, Kyle House. Kyle, we're going to be talking about Rio Olympics and kind of some recaps today. What uh, what have you seen that you've liked so far? Yeah, yeah, I think the plan today is just kind of give a little quick, dirty recap of all the events in Rio and talk a little bit about some of the incidents that have occurred. We were kind of trying to wait out this whole Lochte story so we could really, you know, flesh that out and, mm, and talk yeah. about the facts, but it does not seem like the facts are going to emerge for quite a while. So yeah. we're just going to jump right in. You know, we talked last episode about all the problems that people were expecting in Rio and for the most part, I think it's been pretty free and clear. There was an issue with the pool color in the diving well and possibly the synchro pool, but the competition pool remained clear. And the rowers, one of them, uh, one of the boats hit a couch that was drifting in the uh, Rio competition streams. Alrighty. <laughs> um, so that was good uh, stuff. That was a, a bit of a mishap. But aside from that, you know, I think that it's been okay. The swimmers have said that the living conditions were okay. Uh, the food, maybe not the best, but, you know, I think aside from a, an incident in the beginning stages where the American team had some bathroom issues, I think things were pretty good. Yeah, I haven't heard any complaining, really, from, from any athletes other than maybe a couple hiccups at the start. And other than the pool coloring, I I don't think there's been that many mistakes, at least on the aquatic side of things. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we expected. You know, media likes to build up the story, and, and I think they just kind of got carried away with all the things that could go wrong or look like they were going wrong. But for the most part, I think it's been good. And we don't know how much of that is just uh, Rio gag order, too, on, on the media and things getting out. Uh, who knows what it's really like down there. But for the most part, it seems like things are running smoothly. All the events are going off uh, without too many problems. So let's just dive in. Let's start with day one, event one. Saturday, August 6th is when the Rio Olympics started. We're a couple days removed now, so we've got to you know settle down from the excitement a little bit. And I think what we'll do is just go by each event and you kind of chime in where you see necessary. And, and we'll talk about you know each of the swims. Yeah, keep it hot and loose. So the first event was the men's 400 IM, the first final, I should say. And we had Chase Kalish with a lifetime best there with a three-second drop from his trials time. He finished second in this race with a 4.06, and Jay Litherland was fifth, our Georgia Bulldog. So what do you think about that? You're a big 400 IM guy. Yeah, yeah, I definitely thought it was a good good race for Chase and his first Olympic experience, obviously. I think he may have obviously wanted the gold medal. He, he, he seemed a little kind of disappointed in the media press conference after that, but... Obviously, a great performance his first time around. I believe a three or two and a half second time drop on that. And uh, going into last leg, Higino had the lead from start to finish. And, and I, watching and knowing both swimmers, I assumed and figured Higino would, Higino would close it out being the better freestyler of the two. But Chase Kalish definitely swam his race and very strategically stuck in, in it with the breaststroke leg. And, and Jay Lillian had a phenomenal swim moving up from his entry entry seed and, and getting fifth overall. So I thought that was a great swim for him and representing George as well. So two Georgia Bulldogs in the final there. That was That's definitely something to note. Yeah, and of course, Chase took the year off last year, um, took the Olympic waiver year. So it was good to see that pay off for him. I think we are kind of all waiting for him to have that breakout swim and you know, a, a three-second drop and a 400 IM, I think that qualifies. So yeah. good to see that pay off for him, and I think he's got a bright future. He's still young, so I expect to see him in Tokyo. 
The next final event that we had was the men's 400 freestyle. Unfortunately, the Americans finished out of the medal contention here. Uh, Mac Horton from Australia took the victory, followed by Soon Yang. And I think if we had to predict that one, we would have been a little off. I think we both thought Soon was going to take that race. Mm -hmm. And then we had our boy Connor Dwyer coming in fourth, and Connor Yeager was in fifth. So still a strong showing from the Americans, but not what they were hoping for, I think. Yeah, Yeager made some moves kind of the last 100. I think he was trying to get up in, into the top three contention, and I think he was a little bit before the last last 50. And then Yeager, or Connor Dwyer, kind of fell off pace a little bit near the end and unfortunately finished one spot out of medal contention. But uh, I thought it was a decent performance all around for the U.S. Yeah, he was he was obviously a little disappointed with that. I think uh, I expected a little bit more from Dwyer here. Jaeger, I didn't expect so much. You know, I thought fifth yeah. was a good showing for him. Out of lane one. Exactly. So, and you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit later about some of this lane one controversy with the Rio pool. Um, there are some, some graphs and some uh, data out there that show that some of the lanes had a competitive advantage due to currents, which is pretty interesting news. But before we get into that, let's continue down our road into the women's 400 IM final. Katinka Hosu won this event in world record time. Dominant. I think everybody pretty much expected that she'd run away with this one. Uh, so no big surprise there. But we did have an American get second in Maya Dorado, who was definitely one of the swimmers of the meet. And she had a strong showing in this event, as well as Elizabeth Beisel finishing sixth. Of course, she had a, a bit of a better showing in 2012, and I think we were hoping for the best there. But... Still, a final in the Olympics is not bad, and, and she had a lot to do with the team leadership, so she contributed in other ways, but great strong swim from Maya here. Yeah, I, I definitely think Maya had one of the heaviest schedules out of any of the swimmers, male and female, and at the meet as a whole, and I, I think she just did a phenomenal job with it throughout the meet, but especially starting it off here. Yeah, you can't stress enough the momentum that you carry. If you get that first good swim under your belt and you can just carry that through the meet, and it applies to individual as well as the team. I think you could see that on both the men's and women's side. When they got those good swims going early, it really carried through the rest of the meet, and they had one of their best meets ever. I'd agree. Uh, women's 400 freestyle relay was the only other final on day one, and we took second in that. Um, there was a little bit of controversy with the relay order from the morning to the finals at night. We took off one of our kind of sprinting mainstays in the U.S., Amanda Weir, who has a lot of experience. She finished um, third at US, U.S. Olympic trials and then bettered that time here in the Olympics with her leadoff split. But she was still pulled for a replacement by the name of Dana Vollmer. Uh, she was sixth at trials, actually. So Weir beat her at trials and then had a faster time in the Olympics. And for some reason... The American coaches put Vollmer on this relay. Now, in the end, I don't think it would have made a difference. They lost to Australia handedly, uh, but it was certainly something that Amanda Weir spoke out about. Natalie Coughlin weighed in on. She didn't feel that it was a fair switch. She didn't feel that it was communicated by the coaches. So a little bit of controversy to start out the meet there, and that didn't come out till probably day three or four. But, you know, I can only imagine what that felt like for her if she truly didn't know that she was going to be taken off or didn't expect that. That must have been a crushing blow. But a second showing there for, for the girls' team, uh, and they kind of carried on from there. Do you have any thoughts on that relay? I mean, it's obviously at, the, at this level important to have the communication with the swimmers, and if it did indeed go down that way with, with not really communicating those their thoughts or what was going to happen, that is disappointing to hear on the coaching staff 
and with that that situation. But I I do think knowing this now, first time hearing about it, honestly, it, it is unfortunate to hear and and disappointing for to hear that it happened to the U.S. because obviously you want the best results with the best swimmers on there, and you can only get there with really known facts. So. And, and we had, I mean, the coaching staff here was just an all-star cast, and they had a lot of tough decisions to make, this being one of them. And, you know, who knows what they knew that, that we didn't. Maybe Dana wasn't fully tapered at trials, and they thought that there was potential for a huge swim here. Uh, they kind of had to try anything to beat this Australian team with the Campbell sisters. So, you know, maybe they were just taking a shot, and they figured the worst that could happen is they get second. So... You know, it's very unfortunate for Amanda, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it cost us much here. And it got an extra swimmer a medal. So, um, you know, not too bad. Uh, so day two, we started off with the women's 100-meter fly final. And we had an American missing from our final heat, which was unfortunate. Kelsey Worrell, who came in, I'd say, as one of the medal favorites, did not make the final heat. Gold so medal favorites. That was definitely disappointing and surprising. Uh, Dana Vollmer did, however, have a pretty good swim and finished third in this event. So we did get a medal, but it was unfortunate that Kelsey wasn't able to make this final heat. Yeah, I, I think it was unfortunate that uh, she wasn't able to perform well enough in, in semifinals to get into the top eight. There was a certain dilemma that came out the days following a, about a, a Chinese swimmer who I believe would have put Kelsey into the final. Uh, she tested positive for a banned substance and and was ban- disqualified from the event. And had that obviously not happened, Kelsey would have been in the final. But also you have to remember, got to perform at those times. And while she, she was on the drug, also just keeping this woman in mind. So it's a, it's a sticky situation and obviously it has to hurt for Kelsey to know and her coaches as well. Yeah, tough break, but you can't underestimate the uh, importance of the semifinal and prelim swims. You know, I think she was half second off of her best time, maybe more in that semifinal. So uh, it's definitely unfortunate, but, you know, you'd like to see her go a little bit closer to her best time and she would have been comfortably in there. So the men's 100 breast was the next final on day two. We had a big swim from an American here, a surprise medal, and Cody Miller finishing third. And Kevin Cordes was fourth. So strong showing again. I think um, it would have been a long shot to get two Americans in the top three with Adam Peaty and Cameron Vanderberg. And of course, Peaty had a great world record swim in prelim. So he definitely lived up to the hype. And I think Cody Miller exceeded any uh, expectations that we had of him. Yeah, definitely showing that IU's becoming a breaststroke capital of the U.S., maybe the world, but the U.S. definitely. So Ray Luz is doing a great job there and their coaching staff as well. And Kevin Cordes performed better than Trials. So I, I think the U.S. had a very, very good showing here. Yeah, and a little foreshadowing there for the women's 100 breasts, which we'll talk about later. But um, certainly, certainly you're right. IU is cranking out the breaststrokers right now. Women's 400-meter freestyle was the next final on day two. As expected, Katie Ledecky took gold in this. And somewhat of a surprise for some, maybe, Leah Smith, after a stellar trials, was able to come back here and win bronze in this event. So nice uh, two medal finishes for women's team in this 400-meter freestyle. I think, um, I think you know, they couldn't have asked for much more here. Yeah, I think the U.S. has definitely shown some dominance in the male freestyle middle distance-to-distance events as of recently. And it's it's great to see that Leah wasn't 
was able to continue her success through trials into the Olympics and aided the Americans very well. And the last final event on day two was maybe one of the most exciting events for just the spectator, the men's 4x100 freestyle relay. And this was another one where they made some changes from prelims to finals as far as the clientele. I don't think that there's, in my mind at least, too much controversy about this one. Uh, Phelps made his way onto this relay. I, I think you've got to give him the nod as the greatest swimmer of all time. You know, you give him a shot on here. I think all the guys on the relay would probably agree. But we had uh, Caleb Dressel leading off. We had Michael Phelps on there. Ryan Held from NC State. And then, of course, Nathan Adrian bringing us home. We did take gold in this relay. It was exciting. However, I believe we had the lead pretty much the whole race uh, after Caleb's amazing start. And then Phelps had a, just a fantastic turn in this race and split a 47-2, yeah. which was, you know, I think much better than people expected him to do. Uh, Ryan Held in his first international meet really came yeah. through. Second second swim internationally. He had a phenomenal prelim swim in the relay and, and earned his way on there over, over Irvin, mm-hmm. who... Who went out quick, uh, I, but I, I believe his last couple meters, last 15, 20 were pretty rough, but I think they wanted him uh, ready to go for the 50 a couple days from this point, but Ryan definitely earned his spot on the relay. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Irvin actually had a faster split in prelims over Ryan, and he took it out to the feet in a 21 uh, mid to high, I believe, which was just incredible. The guy's got so much raw speed, but... You know, in the past, Anthony's been a bit uh, unreliable in the 100 for the men on this relay. And, you know, I'm sure he would have loved to be on here, but he still got the gold medal from his prelim swim. And, you know, he contributed. He did what he needed to do. He got these guys in a good spot for finals. And it certainly paid off for him later in the meet in the 50 freestyle. So you got to give a nod to the coaches there knowing what he needed and what the team needed. Yeah, also with uh, Blake Peroni and Jimmy Fegan, with they were on the prelims really. As Definitely, well. and they had they had strong swims. It's it was nice to see those guys take care of business because in the past we've had some issues with that. So nobody can really afford to be off their game in this one, and nobody was. So that was a fun, exciting relay and closed out day two in a positive manner for the American team. And then we moved on to the third day of swimming, and we had your favorite event, the men's two hundred free final. You want to walk us through this one? I was definitely looking forward to this event a lot, just being 200 freestyle swimmer and being very very successful as far at it. And and some of the times that have been put down at, at other championship meets and tune-up meets leading into trials, we had Sun Yang and Connor Dwyer duke it out in the Santa Clara Arena Pro Series going 144s and, uh, and Connor Dwyer going to 145 low. So it was definitely shaping up to be a great race there with James Guy as well, posting 145 at his at one of his European meets. So it was definitely looking up to be a great meet. Um, Sun Yang got the got the win, but Chad LaClose really led for about 175 meters in this race. He he got out almost was the half body length ahead of the world record at the first 50, and it kind of dwindled away from there. But he definitely held it a lot better in his sem- than his semifinals and prelims. But I'd say, and then Connor Dwyer got the gold, the, not the gold, the bronze. Uh, so that was great to see America get on the podium. I'm sure he was happy about that as well and, and a lifetime best for him there. And then Townley Haas also had a good showing in his first Olympic games with a fifth place finish. So that was neat to see that he was able to produce again there. 
Yeah, and I think the big surprise here was Chad LeClaw. You know, I think a lot of people expected him to scratch the final to save up for his marquee event, the 200 fly. And you got to wonder if this costs him maybe, you know, tired him out because he certainly was taking these 200 freestyles out in a oh, yeah. in a very fast split in prelim semifinals and finals. He swam in the same way each time. Um, but I'm sure he's not disappointed in a silver medal here. So definitely a surprise for me. Uh, you do wonder if it cost him a little on the back end, but I think well worth it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, on, from from my perspective, I'd, I'd have to say as an overlying, just from the world perspective, this was for me the most disappointing race of the games. I felt like the times leading up to it would lead to faster times and being two seconds slower than London it was just disappointing to see no, nothing even close to the Olympic time, Olympic record or the world record. So it was just kind of frustrating to see that the world wasn't progressing in this as a, not just the U.S., but overall. So I, I thought this was just kind of a letdown from the lead up into it with the potential it had with the swimmers that yeah. were entered in Certainly it. nobody close to a world record in this one. Uh, the next up, we had women's 100 back final and a big surprise from Kathleen Baker here finishing with the silver medal behind Katinka, and Olivia Smoliga was six. Yeah, it was it was great performance for both the U.S. swimmers. I think Olivia was hoping for a little bit better swim, but I think she was right on. when By the time finals came around, she sneaked into the finals, but she came around and, and was able to do well there. But Kathleen Baker obviously stepped up from trials and, and had a huge, huge swim in prelim semifinals and finals to get to where she was at. So after the women's 100 back, we were followed with the men's 100 back final. And the tradition of American excellence in this event continued with Ryan Murphy carrying the torch as the gold medal winner and David Plummer coming in third. Yeah, I I didn't expect anything less from Murph Dog Millionaire here. Definitely dominant performance for him. I thought it was going to be a breakout meet and phenomenal swim for Plummer's first time in the Olympic Games. Yeah, he certainly was one of the MVPs on the guys' side, without a doubt, and we will be talking about him later. Um, the women's 100 breasts. This event captured attention on a on a national scale. Uh, Lily King outspoken about Yulia Fomova with her doping scandal. Uh, she basically just came right out after the semifinals of the race and said that she wouldn't be beat by a cheater, and she she backed up her word. She took down Yulia, one gold, just by a, a hair. And Katie Miley, another American, taking bronze in this event. Uh, I was a little surprised that the Americans went 1-3, got two medals in this event. What about you? Yeah, it was definitely neat to see. Uh, I, I didn't, after semifinals, I kind of hoped Lily King would win the 100 breaststroke because I thought it would be very bad reflection on her if that ended up not going her way. But Fortunately enough, she stepped up and performed well, so it was neat to see that. And also, again, IU, swimmer in the breaststroke. And what was your thought on on what she said? I mean, was that too much for you? Was it outspoken? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I mean, I at first it was very unexpected for for me to hear that, but I loved it. I thought it was it was great that someone was speaking out against it. I think everyone kind of just feels like they have to be quiet about it, and she finally just came out and said it. I I think everyone's kind of in a little weird mental state after a race, but she just came out and and said it certainly certainly confident young lady and we expect to see her again because she's still young so uh, look for her in tokyo as well absolutely so that wrapped up day three the first final that we had on day four was the women's 200 freestyle this was a pretty exciting race this was katie's definitely her toughest event with sarah sostrom and and being kind of a more closer to a sprint 
So I think she was, it's it's not the 100, but she's definitely had to get into a different gear for this one. And kind of in a weird twist, she was actually getting caught at the end of this race by Sarah, who was, you know, the sprinter of the group. So that was a little strange to see, but Ledecky definitely adjusted her race strategy and took it out, got the race out, and she was able to come out with a victory here. Unfortunately, we didn't have any other American qualifiers in the final of this event, so it was all on Katie's shoulders, and she came through for us. Yep. Men's 200 fly final was the next event, and this was definitely one of the most anticipated races of the Olympics. Of course, we had the story of Phelps and Chad LeClaw. The whole Phelps face meme went viral. Everybody knows about this. Yeah. Chad LeClaw shadow boxing in front of Phelps in the ready room, and Phelps just having none of it. And of course, he did what Phelps does. He came out, made a statement, won this race, and Chad LeClaw with a disappointing fourth place finish here. Uh, but Still, Phelps had all that he could handle in this race, just barely edging out his competitors. What did you think about this one? I thought, obviously, leading up to it, it was a bit bizarre what was going on in the ready room, but Phelps kept his cool, at least to some degree, I think. And Phelps did his talking in in the pool with his with his swimming, so he definitely showed up on that end. But I, I thought Phelps was fortunate to get the gold in this. I thought his race was technically pretty bad, uh, five meters in, five meters out. Uh, is a little tight on some walls and was tying up at the end pretty bad. So that, that was kind of a recurring theme we saw with Phelps in yeah, this Olympics. It odd. wasn't, you know, that Phelps we remember from 08 and 2012 where he was kicking, you know, deep off each wall 15. and hitting his turns. He was, he seemed to just be a hair off on every turn. His, he wasn't stretching his underwaters the way he used to. Uh, it seemed like he had some problems getting his races out fast enough and a couple times closing them well. So definitely not as crisp as he once was, but I think that's a reflection probably of the training that he did. You know, having a, a newborn and just kind of st- some of the other different life events that he was dealing with in this quadrennial, I think, you know, showed up a little bit here. But still, no doubt that he's the GOAT. Uh, he definitely proved that once again this Olympics. And, you know, I think this was just another feather in his cap here. Another gold to add to his collection. Yep. Women's 200 IM final was the next event. Once again, Maya Dorado came through for the Americans here and took the third place bronze medal. And Melanie, Melanie Margolis was fourth place. Any thoughts on this race, Grant? thought it was a great performance on the women's side. And uh, I think they definitely both stepped up from, from, for their performances and, and did the, and swam the best races they could individually. So I thought it was a great swim for the U.S. I'll let you talk about the next race here. We had the men's 4x200 freestyle relay. No big surprise. U.S. you know, has won this, I think, several years in a row now, and they won yet again. So why don't you tell them who was on the relay and what you thought of their performances? So we had Connor Dwyer, Townley Haas, Ryan Lochte, and Michael Phelps in this. Connor Dwyer led off with a, a time very close to his own. Ryan Lochte, unfortunately, didn't have that great of a split on it. And Townley, although kind of made up for it with a very, very impressive split on his end, 144. So definitely showed, came through with that swim. And then a little sticky situation for Michael Phelps there at the end. Uh, his cap, cap busted. Not, not good, uh, showing for MP on this situation. <laughs> but, uh, luckily his teammate Connor Dwyer was there and assisted him with, with the cap situation. So, Dominant performance start to finish, and there wasn't a question in my mind of whether the U.S. would win this or not. Yeah, missed marketing opportunity here where he, you know, busted his cap before the race and then had to race with Dwyer's cap inside out, um, which I've actually never seen before. So that was kind of kind of funny, but he handled it with poise and was able to still get the victory. 
Uh, talk to us a little bit about the change from prelims to finals in this event with the personnel. I definitely thought it was interesting. I I thought it was necessary. I I was expecting more out of Lochte coming from the the prelims. He looked like he really shut it down in prelims convincingly in, in classic Lochte fashion, kind of picking his head up before the wall. But the Phelps change was kind of a, kind of a little hit or miss. I mean, he didn't have the 200 at trials. He didn't swim it. He didn't really have a 200 leading up to that. So old coach Bobby B, Bobby Bowman, had to kind of put his faith in in the GOAT and, and trust that he knew what was there. And Connor Dwyer stepped up as well. So I thought it was it was great great changes there for for the U.S. relay. So I think, you know, Dwyer and Haas were locks on this relay. And the, the decision really was between Jack Conger and Ryan Lochte. And it was a matter of who... Does Phelps replace on this relay if he replaces anybody? And we kind of knew going into it, I think, that U.S. didn't really need him on this relay, uh, but he certainly could swim it. And, you know, I think I think it would make the relay faster. Do you think they made the right decision putting Phelps on this? Do you think they might made the right decision taking Conger off and leaving Lochte on? I mean, I obviously they got the gold, so I'm, that's... That's what they go to the Olympics to swim for. Uh, so they accomplished that. But I, based on the timings, I, I don't think Lochte's spot was really deserved on this relay. And Jack Conger would have uh, been a better viable option, especially since he didn't have an individual and this was his one swim. Also, Conger's been able to step up in freestyle events and relays in past international venues. Just given the past experience of Lochte and Phelps, I, I don't think I can ever fault a coach for wanting them yeah. to be on the finals relay. You know, these guys have done it over and over. Uh, the only way that we were going to lose this, I think, was if something catastrophic like a, uh, a DQ, a false start happened or something. And you know Lochte and Phelps aren't going to take any chances on that. So I agree with it. It is a bummer for Conger. You would have liked to see him get some experience for Tokyo because he'll definitely be a repeat guy. Um, but... You know, another kind of controversial, interesting decision by the coaching staff. I think it was the right one here, and it certainly paid off with another gold. So moving on here, we had the men's 200 breast on the fifth day of competition. And we had two Americans in the final heat, Josh Perneau and Kevin Cordes. Josh got a silver medal in a surprise fashion, to me at least. And Kevin had a disappointing eighth place finish here. Grant, talk to us a little about this race. I, I I agree with your your thoughts and statements on this. I thought Josh Perneau was definitely a viable option for the gold medal after trials. Phenomenal swim at Santa Clara leading up and then at trials and then finally put it all together here. And then just disappointing swim on Cordis' part. So I don't know what happened there. Just took it out slow and couldn't finish. Yeah, that one's that's a bit puzzling as this is kind of, you know, one of his uh, premier events. So uh, disappointing from him, but good to have two Americans in the final. Women's 200 fly was up next. Uh, unfortunately, we finished out of the medal race here. Just didn't quite have the horses on the women's side for this event. We did have Camille Adams finish just out of the medal hunt in fourth place. And Hallie Flickinger from Georgia getting seventh place in this event. So two in the finals. Uh, Camille probably, I'd have to imagine this is going to be it for her, but Flickinger should have, you know, another Olympics under her belt if she wants to to chase after it. So do you have anything to add on this race? This was, you know, not not too exciting for us uh, on the American side. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they had better prelim swims. Like, they put it together better than their semifinals or finals. So I, I think they might have just performed at the wrong times, unfortunately, but they were kind of out of it from beginning to end. Yep. 
Okay, and men's 100 free was next. Of course, Nathan Adrian took kind of a surprise gold in this one in 2012 with the victory in the 100 free. And this time there was another surprise. Unfortunately, Adrian did not get gold, but he did come away with a medal, finishing third for the bronze. And Caleb Dressel was our other representative, finishing sixth, um, you know, carrying, I think, mostly off that incredible start that he has. And the big surprise here is Kyle Chalmers. Just an 18-year-old taking the gold medal. Uh, you know, Australia's got to be proud of him right now. Yeah, that was definitely an incredible swim on his part and, and crazy to see that at 18 he's, he won the Olympic gold, but definitely neat for the, the future of Australian sprinting, I'm sure. Women's 4x200 freestyle relay wrapped this one up. Uh, again, I think we kind of expected the U.S. to take this. Allison Schmidt had a big leadoff here. This was her only event of the meet, and she made it count. And then Ledecky brought it home and won gold for us. Australia finished second in this race. I think everybody kind of met expectations here. So not a whole lot to talk about. My Dorado was put on the finals of this relay. Another one of those coaches' decisions. And I think it was the right choice. She performed well. And, you know, she was just reliable all meet long for, for the U.S. The women's 200 breast final was the next event on day six of the Olympics. Unfortunately, we did not have any Americans in the final. So not too exciting from a spectator's point of view. There was a storyline of Yuli Efimova, you know, with, with her past kind of feud with Lily King. I think people definitely wanted to see what she did here. She came up just a bit short of gold. Um, but, you know, again, she she performed well, just not quite as well as I think she would have liked to. So uh, not too much to talk about there from the U.S. side. But the next event was a men's 200 back. And we mentioned before Ryan Murphy had a really stellar Olympics and he took another gold home here. And Jacob Peebley, his teammate from Cal Berkeley, finished in fifth place. Grant, what did you think about Ryan's swim here? Great swim again from Murphy. Uh, I, I expected a better race from Mitch Larkin and it was a bit more competitive, but Murphy pulled away kind of at the end and, and great swim for Peebley as well here. So Definitely future and present of American backstroke is remaining dominant. Without a doubt. Men's 200 IM was the next event. This was another big, big anticipated event with Michael Phelps in it. You know everybody was tuning in. Um, Phelps lived up to expectations here. He won gold going away by pretty much a full body length. Unfortunately, his partner in crime, Ryan Lochte, finished fifth here. And, you know, he was right in this race until the last 50 and just couldn't bring it home. We're not used to seeing that from Ryan. I think everybody expected him to be second or third at worst. And just uh, he wasn't able to, to finish this race. So what do you think about this one, Grant? I was pretty disappointed in the race between the two of them. It was obviously great to see Phelps win. But it was definitely not the classic duel between Phelps and Lochte like we'd seen in the past. And looked like Lochte was actually a bit nervous behind the blocks. He was pretty fidgety with his goggles, and I know they definitely had some incidents, unfortunately, with the prior to a couple of Michael Phelps' events with longer holds. They actually stood them up on the 200 fly, and and on this one it kind of took him a little bit to get up on the block. So maybe that had something to do with it, but it definitely looked like he was nervous, but not a, not what obviously we would hope to see with the classic duel between these two great swimmers. Definitely. And, of course, everybody was interested to see Phelps get out of this 200 IM, and he had to swim the men's 100-fly semifinal at the end of this night, just about 35 minutes after this race. 
he was able to, you know, do what he needed to do to get in the final. But it was fun to see the countdown clock and see him kind of handle that, you know, skipping the interview and, and just getting in the warm down pool. Probably didn't have time to do more than 500 or so. And then he had to get out and prepare for the 100 flies. So that was neat to watch how he handled that uh, in true Michael Phelps fashion. And then the only other final that we had on night six was the women's 100 meter freestyle. This was definitely one of the more exciting events of the meet. We had Simone Manuel finishing first in a very surprising race for her. And Abby Wetzel, Wetzel came in seventh. Uh, I think we hoped for a little bit more from her, but she's one of the youngest Olympians, so expect to see her again. But Grant, talk us through Simone's gold medal finish here. It was definitely unexpected, I think. I think she was definitely looking at a top three finish, but in the fashion that she got first, I don't think anyone expected. Maybe her, obviously, and, and her coaches, but it was great to see that she was kind of pulling away at the end, and it, and it became a dominant win. While the time was still close, uh, just look, watching the race, you could tell she she won decisively. But it was great to see her win win the gold first for African Americans. That was huge for for female African Americans, and and that was that was neat to see the story. And, and Stanford had a great showing here. Yeah, definitely. Greg Meehan had his girls ready with Maya Dorado and Simone Manuel and Lee Neal. So, uh, and expect Katie Ledecky to to go swim under him next year and probably get the same results. So. Definitely an impressive swim here from Simone, beating out the Campbell sisters from Australia, Sarah Jostrom from Sweden. Campbell Soup. So, so great performance there. Kind of a shocker for, for the world. So getting into day seven, we had the women's 200 back final to start us off. And as we finished with the exciting women's 100 free, we carried that excitement into the women's 200 back with Maya Dorado pulling off a stunning victory over Katinka Honsu, the Iron Lady in this event and and bringing home gold for the Americans. Grant, what about this finish? It was it was absolutely riveting. It was it was just a phenomenal finish. She closed just precisely perfect perfect placement and uh fortunately Katinka didn't have the best finish and kind of went in sidewinder, but Maya Dorado hung in there, never gave up, and was able to out-touch her for the gold. So that was huge. And of course, everybody's heard about Maya Dorado's promise that she's going to retire after this Olympics. She's got to be rethinking that a little bit after her performances here. Uh, you'd definitely like to see her stick with it because she certainly seems to have some good swims still left under her belt. Moving on, we had the Men's 100 Fly as the next event. Another one of MP's big events. So, of course, the world was tuned in. I think everybody wanted to see him take gold in this one, but it just wasn't meant to be. Joseph Schooling was was just too tough in this event. You know, it was really the only one that he was focused on all year. He swam the 100 free and did well, but this was his baby, and it showed. I mean, this guy was prepared. He had a great turn, great start, um, and he won the race going away. Uh, Michael did tie three ways for second place, which was kind of just just crazy. Another classic Michael Phelps finish. And your boy, Beefy T. Shields, was seventh. A little bit disappointing from him. You know, I think we won a little bit more in the 100 and 200, especially where he didn't final. Um, but, yeah, another strong showing from the Americans here winning a medal. Definitely. It was while Joseph swims in U.S., he represented Singapore, obviously, and great swim on his part from representing Texas, obviously, on the collegiate side of things. And then Phelps, crazy finish for second with two of his kind of rivals for his whole career with Lazo Shea and, and Chad LeClose. So 
It's kind of funny to see all of them sharing the same podium. Stand. Yeah, sort of a fitting end there if it is indeed the end, which we'll talk about later. I don't think it is. But anyways, <clears throat> um, this, <throat> this was another one of those imperfect races for Phelps. His turn was not very good here. Uh, he just couldn't seem to make his strokes work out. He couldn't get this race out fast enough to really be uh, a competitor but still managed to come away with silver, so not a bad, not a bad performance from him here. Women's 800 freestyle was next, as expected. Katie Ledecky took gold in this event by pretty much a half a pool length. She broke Crushed the world it. record. Just an incredible performance from her. She certainly met all expectations for her this Olympics, and you know led the the U.S. team to several medals. So great stuff from her, as expected. I don't know how she keeps up that stroke rate, but she does it somehow. And then Leah Smith, six in this event. I think maybe she was just, she just had enough at this point. She's been swimming so well through trials. And then at the Olympics, she got her medal. Uh, maybe just not enough left in the tank for this one, but great swim from Katie. Any thoughts on this one? Just dominant performance from Katie and, and, uh, respectable swim for Leah. Definitely. So men's 50 freestyle. This was definitely one of the most anticipated and exciting races of the meet. You know, we were fortunate enough from the U.S. side to have two guys in the final heat. And when you're in the final heat, anything can happen, as we know. Anthony Irvin, we've talked about him on this podcast many times before. Uh, we didn't really think that he had what it takes to be a gold medal winner in this event, I think. But we knew he had the speed. Weren't sure about the start. He put it all together this race and, you know, great last five meters in all of his swims, prelims, semifinals, finals. He somehow managed to get his hand on the wall first here over Florent Manadou, who finished with silver and Nathan Adrian with a strong swim to take the bronze medal. Grant, talk us through this. I, I was super surprised to see Irvin get gold and it was, uh, it was pretty exciting. Yeah. He, he had a, at London, Irvin's biggest flaw was his start. He outswam everyone in the pool, but just lost so much here. That mistake was not made and got out with everyone, came up just guns blazing, speeding down the pool and got his hand on the wall first. I think it, it worked out as his finish was perfection and it worked out a lot better than Florette, Florette's did, but it was just an excellent swim from him. Just pure, pure beauty in the water. No doubt that he is the fastest man on earth. In the pool right now, I think that switch that he made to swim Mac to get on that diving block that they had really paid off. You know, Dave, Dave Marsh knows how to get his sprinters prepared. Nothing, nothing surprising here that he had Anthony ready to go, but to win gold was just amazing. I, I, we were eating cheese, cheeseless pizza when this event happened. I think you just threw it up in the air because you were just so shocked. So, <laughs> um, the last day of the Olympics, we had four finals, women's 50 freestyle. Uh, another strong showing from Simone Manuel here who got a silver medal from an outside lane. That was pretty fun to watch. And then unfortunately, Abby Wetzel just missed the final in this event. So Simone was our lone representative, uh, but she definitely made the most of it, bringing home that silver to, to follow up with her gold in the 100 freestyle. So another great swim from Simone there. And then we had the men's mile. Grant, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the men's mile? It was, it was kind of an interesting race, uh, throughout the whole thing. The Italian Paltrinari was, uh, I think he led for a majority of the race and, and around like the thousand mark kind of started pulling away, uh, pretty significantly. But Jaeger stuck in there and hung strong and, and came away with the lifetime best and silver medal. And then 
the uh, his an Italian teammate actually came in third, so they went one and one and three. But Paltrinari is probably the definition of one speed, only swimming the mile. Jaeger obviously swam the mile too, but stretched it to the four as well. So he's he's got the speed, and he showed us that in two hundreds as well. But it was definitely a dominant performance on the Italians. Yeah, it was amazing to see Paltrinari swim this with his stroke rate and his lack of lower body movement. Uh, it, it was a classic distance stroke with a little more a little more stroke speed than we're used to seeing, and just uh, just a phenomenal performance by him. You know, I think Connor did all he could to try to hang, and he just he wasn't able to. But whatever the Italians are doing in the pool to train their distance, guys, they probably should keep it up. Um, as is tradition, they took commercial breaks during this event. It always riles up the swimming purists who want to see every turn, you know, every every inch of this race. So uh, once again, NBC unfortunately did not listen to the requests of the hardcore swim fans and they took their commercial breaks. So that was a bummer. But great underwater footage during this race and really throughout the whole Olympics. I think that's something that NBC kind of stepped up and really, for me, it was, it was made the races a lot more fun to watch. So just a side note there. Women's four by 100 medley relay final. As expected, the women took gold in this event. Nothing too surprising here. When you have the second place finisher, Hunter back, the gold medal winner and the 100 breast. Uh, top three finisher in Dana Vollmer and the 100 fly and then a gold medal winner in Simone Manuel. I mean, it's almost a given that they're going to bring home gold. So nothing too surprising there. The men's 4x100 medley relay final had a little bit of a side story here with Ryan Murphy. Grant, why don't you walk us through this event? Well, I think it's kind of took everyone by shock at first, but he he set the world record in this. He he broke Aaron Pearsall's world record. And it kind of came as a surprise to everyone. Normally, relay relay splits aren't as fast. Typically, lead off, especially after the event has been swam. But that was obviously put the U.S. in a great position and off to a great start. And, and they actually needed it with, with Great Britain's Adam Peaty going in and, and splitting a 56. And, and made Cody Miller out there not... Well, he had a, he had a good split himself and just really embarrassed the field out there compared to his time. So... Uh, Michael Phelps just kept their, kept their lead, extended a little bit, and Nathan Adrian sealed the deal with that. So it was, it was good to see America end on a, on a fantastic note with another gold medal and, and Michael Phelps' final race there. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot of fun to see Nathan Adrian's reaction when he saw Ryan Murphy break that world record on the first leg. Uh, definitely, I think he fed off that, as I'm sure Michael Phelps did when they realized that he had such a stellar swim. And they needed it. Uh, Great Britain, you know, they, they hung tough. They, I think, were just a, a guy short, really. If they would have had somebody a little more competitive in the freestyle leg, it would have been, uh, would have made me a little more nervous. But of course, US brought home the gold. Phelps did his job. Adrian did his job. You know, Cody Miller did all he could against one of the best, well, the best breaststroker of all time. And obviously, Ryan Murphy lived up to expectations there. So that wraps it up. That was all of the events at Rio Olympics for swimming. We had total medal count of 33 for the U.S. teams. We brought home 16 golds, 8 silver, and 9 bronze medals. So very impressive performance. Uh, A lot of the analysts and pundits are saying it was one of the best performances as a team of all time. And I got to tell you, just watching it certainly seemed to be So great, strong showing. Good job by the coaching staff. We do want to just go ahead and kind of highlight what we thought were the most exciting events of the meet. 
Grant, do you want to walk us through these? Yeah, I think I think top five would be the women's hundred breaststroke with Lily King, her exciting race, the men's two hundred fly with Michael's riveting finish again, and Anthony Irvin's performance in the fifty free was was amazing. Simone's hundred freestyle on the women's hundred freestyle. And the women's 200 backstroke with my Dorado's finish was definitely exciting and, and awesome to watch. And honorable mention there for Katie Ledecky in the 200 free, which was a great finish, but just didn't quite make our top five. As you guys know, we like to go ahead and end with our You Like That and some hot takes. So Grant, why don't we go ahead and jump into this? We'll start with You Like That. My you like that this week, I'm actually going to throw two out here. I know I'm breaking the rules a bit, but I just have to. Um, number one, the Netflix documentary Touch the Wall with Missy Franklin, which we mentioned in the last podcast. I finally got an opportunity to watch that, and it was great. I got to tell you, I, you know, it, was, it painted Missy in a very bubbly, um, positive sort of American girl fashion. I think that's a reputation that she has, and it's. I, I think it is honestly her personality. She seems to just be a very fun-loving, kind of um, wholesome American sweetheart type of girl. And, you know, it was fun to kind of get an inside look at, at what goes into her training, her life at home, you know, why she didn't go pro and stuck to high school. And another interesting dynamic of this documentary was they followed Carolyn Joyce's journey up to London. Again, this took place before the 2012 Olympics. So, it was fun to watch what was going on there because Carolyn went and trained with Missy at Colorado Stars under Todd Schmitz and had a bit of a tumultuous relationship with the coach there. Ended up making a switch to swim Mac right before the Olympic trials and ended up making the games in the 50 freestyle. So it was fun to see kind of what goes on behind the scenes with the swimmer when they don't necessarily get along with their coach or they don't feel like they're getting what they need in the pool. And then it also was, you know, special for me because I was in Charlotte during the time that this was being filmed. So it was cool to see some of the old swim mat guys that were part of that 2012 Olympic preparation and just how, how Carolyn kind of joined that crew and how David brought her along so quickly. So I definitely recommend checking out Touch the Wall when you guys have time. It's on Netflix. And I have to do my second You Like That. Last Chance You is a documentary on Netflix. It chronicles a season for a junior college football team that has a reputation of getting a lot of guys into the NFL after they continue their college career. Of course, junior and senior, they have to go to a D1 program or otherwise to, to finish out. But just a, a fascinating look at the guys who end up at a school like this, kind of their backstories, uh, talking about what it takes to make them academically eligible exposes a lot of what goes on behind the scenes in the NCAA and uh, just some really funny characters both on the field um, in the classroom and then the coach it all takes place in Mississippi it's it's hard for me to really explain it but it's definitely worth a watch if you're into college athletics at all it is absolutely fascinating and just a great great story reminding me a lot of Friday Night Lights if anybody likes mm, that show so Greg. Definitely got to check out Last Chance You on Netflix as well. 
Grant, what is your you like that for this week? My you like that is I'm back in water polo, back playing this season, my senior year, and I played my freshman year and, and my sophomore year, uh, and I took a year off with my junior year as well to do focus more on swimming. So it was nice. It's nice to be back and playing water polo. Cool, and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing you out there slinging the rock around a little bit and hopefully winning some of those swim-off for the Aqua Bombers water polo team. So definitely cool news on your part. I think that will be very enjoyable and a good means of getting back in shape for the next swim season. Uh, of course, we have our hot takes. I want to do a little hot take about Michael Phelps. Grant, he's told everybody that he is going to retire after this Olympics. He's made it well known. There's, you know, really uh, no no decision to be made on his part. He says it's cut and dry. He's done. He's ready to move on. I got to tell you, I don't buy it. I think he will be back to make an attempt at Tokyo. I don't know in what fashion. I don't know if he will qualify, but I do think that you'll see him make another run. Uh, what Do you have any feelings on that? Do you think he's actually done or do you think the GOAT's bluffing? I mean, it's hard to think of him being done after how long he swam, but it's obviously still in the realm of possibilities with his talents and his work ethic when he puts his mind to it. But he's a he's a dad now. He's got a new life. He's got a got a real man life now. So it'll be, real man. It'll be interesting to see what he does and, and how things go from here. So I know he's coaching, but we'll see where where things take him. Speaking of real men, we touched on this earlier, but this Ryan Lochte scandal that has been going on, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for us to kind of summarize what's happened, but he claimed that him, Jimmy Fegan, Gunnar Bent, and Jack Conger were robbed at gunpoint. He claimed that at one point he had a gun placed to his forehead, and he just responded by saying, whatever, in classic Ryan Lochte fashion. Yeah. <laughs> um, now... It's coming out that, you know, these guys were at a party in Brazil and they were coming home, possibly a little intoxicated. They visited a gas station. Maybe the story didn't play out as Ryan Lochte claimed that it did or that his mom claimed that it did. It's been just a mess of a story. I think gives swimming a real black eye. It's it's sad to see this taking attention away from the stellar performances that the U.S. team had. And, you know, I just wish that this kind of stuff didn't happen. Um, you know, hopefully Ryan and the guys, I, you know, maybe learn a lesson from this, I guess, and just kind of keep it in check from now on. But this has just been a bizarre turn of events. You know, who knows what the real story is? The facts are still coming out. Uh, but it's it's been a roller coaster to follow. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate to see this. And, and I guess a hot take on my end would be this could affect his legacy. This could be what Ryan Lochte is now remembered by, which is unfortunate. But also being in the same time and time frame as Michael Phelps and never really getting the the stardom on that end. Uh, with Michael Phelps always kind of one-upping him at the Olympics and every four years. While they had the world championships, more people tune in for the Olympics. So it's definitely unfortunate to see that that end of things and it really could impact how people remember him i agree he kind of you know i think before this event everybody kind of looked at him as like a, a jokester kind of a fun loving guy just likes to have fun he had his antics with the grill and the shoes and the TV bright show. colored speedos yeah the reality show but now this kind of puts a little bit more of a spin on it where he almost comes across as a bit of a clown and it just you know it's sad it's sad that this may affect his legacy as you mentioned um you certainly hope it doesn't because he's one of the greatest swimmers of all time, but 
This would this has made big national news, and I don't think international. Pe- yeah, exactly. And people are not going to forget about this. Brazil's making a big deal of out of it. You know, I think they're tired of being kind of uh, pushed around. There were you know a lot of mud was slung at them in the media leading up to the games, and you know some writers are are suggesting this is their chance to strike back. So. Who knows? Again, there's been other athletes that have come forward now saying that they were robbed. So maybe Lochte's story is 100% true. We'll find out in the coming days. Um, but for now, just, man, a strap in, enjoy the ride because it's been, it's been a little weird. It's been one of the most bizarre swim stories I've ever remember reading about. Yeah. They've, they've come out and said that, that they're trying to help them and saying they're just kids, but. Right, Lockie's uh, not a, not a kid at 32 years old. Not so kids anymore. He's a grown man, and it's unfortunate to see that he's in this situation. And while Jack and Gunner obviously much younger, I'd say they're, it's more understandable, I yeah. guess, for on their end. I don't want to say it's that gives them an automatic bypass on this, but uh, they're definitely into that age frame. I think he's trying to aim at, but Lochte being 32, he should, he should know how to handle himself in a much better manner. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of repercussions are passed down from, from us swimming here. As far as, I don't know if there'll be any penalties with, you know, future meets. Uh, I don't know if there'll be any NCAA penalties with Gunner and Jack. I'm not sure. So we will see. We'll check back in on that during our next podcast, but this one certainly has gone on long enough. Grant, any last thoughts about the games? You know, I certainly thought it was amazing. Um, I'm happy to watch gymnastics go on. What What about you? Uh, my only thoughts are I wish Harambe could have seen this. <laughs> I wish he could have seen the U.S. perform well. That's that's so true. He really missed he missed a great one and it would have been greater if he was still present on this earth with I'm us. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so, all right. Well, enjoy the rest of the Olympic events. You know, we had some some uh, exciting sand volleyball. Gymnastics is wrapped up. We got track and field now. So, oh, yeah. enjoy it. Uh we will be back soon to wrap things up, but in the meantime, peace. RIP Harambe. Later. I said it again and again, can't get it out of my head. Friend said, better off as she is. I'm thinking it's maybe just a forget it. I'm too lost instead from being too far ahead, just barely to see where she is. I get it, it's maybe just.